I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we are taking a look at Dreamer of Dune by Brian Herbert, the biography of Frank Herbert. You know, this was one of my favorite works of fiction that Brian wrote. I (laughs) couldn't believe how realistic it felt. And, um, you know, the way he painted the father figure. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> the the soci- sociology like outlook on the whole thing. You know, really, really I think I would have yeah. I think I gave this book like a 5.5 out of 5. It was wow. re- pretty incredible. Realism. His, yeah, the realistic, the way he realistically painted the character. <laughs> I mean, he even, he even modeled this character after his real father. I mean, of a man that created this fictional universe that just took the world by storm. Yeah, I heard that he basically um, just had um, a beard. I'm Scott. Scott, hey, Scott. Yes? I, I hate to tell you this, but it was a nonfiction work. What? <laughs> no! <laughs> Mine. <laughs> All right, take away the show. Anyways. So, uh, wow, this is... A pretty incredible fictional universe. Yeah, pretty incredible <laughs> fictional universe. This is different than anything else I mean we've read. I mean, I guess Robe to Dune was... As close as we're going to get to any other book that we've read similar to this. But um, this was just very different altogether. I mean, a full book just on Frank. And not and not a short book. We're talking about yeah. a 500-plus page yeah. book on basically analyzing Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I guess so. why don't we start just um, going around with, like, first impressions of this book here. Uh, why don't you start, David? Okay, first impression, I have read several biographies, autobiographies, and by several, I'm not saying a lot, very small amount, and most of the times when I pick them up, they wind up being autobiographies, which I kind of find a little disappointing or whatever, but this is the first time I read what felt so personal and, and, and real, and I think that's why I connected to it, because it was written by Brian, and he was, uh, you know, writing about his father and... uh life as he saw it, you know, through it, his eyes with his dad. And uh, I thought that was a really great connection to have to see this father-son bond form and break and form kind of thing going on. And, uh, you know, even from his perspective of, you know, it having, having been a good thing overall. Um, so I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this book a lot more than I expected to. I expected it to be, a labor of love on my part. And I wound up actually being genuinely like, uh, sucked in to a degree. Mm. So. Oh, very good. Jim, how about you? 
Um, <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. I wasn't sure what to expect, and a lot of times a biography gets gets kind of dull and boring once in a while. I opened up this book, and I could not stop reading. It was just uh, incredible. I mean, what a what an interesting man, what an interesting life, and the ins and outs and everything, and Brian's writing was absolutely uh, stellar. Yeah. I mean, I have some nitpicks, but overall, yeah. What? Nitpicks? I know. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Scott, what yeah, so, so it was a good book. It was a good biography. I'm with you. I don't typically gravitate toward biographies. Um, you know, probably the closest I get is I was talking to you about this a little bit earlier. I'm currently working on a book, um, that is, if you want to be, if you want to argue anything, it's like the biography of this house. Um, so it encompasses the lives of the people that live there. Um, it is a very, like, I think the thing that I resonated with this is I could feel probably how difficult this was. To write. I don't know. I didn't do any research. Any of you guys, did you do any research? Like, how long did it take him to write this or anything like that? I did not, you know. Yeah. Uh, when I, uh, I tweeted and tagged him in the tweet how much I enjoyed the book, and he told me it took five years to write. And, wow. Yeah, and that's not surprising. It is a, again, it's a 500-page tome. That's not short by any means, but no. – but, it is a difficult thing to know how to present a life because there's like, I look at my own father, for example, there are so many ways that I view my own father, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the stuff that the, the fond memories, the memories that I have no recollection of, but my brothers do because I just kind of blanked them out. Not because they were terrible because they seemed unimportant, but were important to them. Um, you made the comment earlier, and I don't. Maybe I'll be stealing your thunder here a little bit, but um, there were times that you could sense that intimacy as he wrote this book. I mean, yeah. that closeness, and other times that you could tell he did a little bit of research, and, um, and sometimes yeah. sometimes the blending of them two don't always mesh real well. I'm not certain that I could do much better, right? Uh, or am doing much better. That's. I mean, honestly, that's what I thought at the beginning of the book, especially. I didn't expect well, especially to go- because it's 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 a it's the one that's most remotest, uh, most remote from his life. Yeah, he goes back way further than I expected him to go back, and uh, yeah. like he goes back to when like Frank was just an egg and sperm. I mean, that's it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing <laughs> in detail. In detail, you see this. <laughs> it's like look who's talking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, look who's talking, Frank. <laughs> but it, I mean, like it would switch from like he would tell like a short story about an event, and you would kind of get into that short story, and then maybe the story didn't have like a concrete ending, and then all of a sudden he would just be listing facts again, and it, and that's the part that kind of was like, wait, 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 did we finish this story? I would go back a couple of paragraphs or something and be like, okay, so we're done with this point, and we're no longer talking about the fishing trip. We're just. These things happened around this time. And it was okay. It was just, to me, it was a little jarring. However, like I said, I don't read a lot of these types of books, so I don't know if that's normal. Overall, it didn't affect my um, enjoyment of the book. I, I, I will say this, 
this is the first book I read on my Kindle. I bought a Kindle and I read this book on it and that, that too changed the whole experience of, of reading the, that's another discussion, Kindle versus paper type thing. But what, what, what do you mean? How did that change your reading for you? Well, so like I had a hard time grasping how far through the book I was. And a lot, a lot of times I judge how much more I'm going to read because I like to finish a chapter before I stop. So it was very difficult to figure out like how much more. And at the bottom, it shows like how, what percentage of the book you're through. And you can, it'll, it like measures your reading after a while and tells you how much longer it'll take you to finish the book. And every time I saw that, I hated it. But <laughs> it's like, uh, it, and it's, the pages are much smaller. So you're flipping the pages and you're like, yeah, I'm making progress. <laughs> and then you're like, no, no I'm, I'm not. really not. Like it's been 31% for like an hour, you know? So it's, uh, it's a different experience. I mean, it's something I'll have to get used to because you I mean, will. I, yeah. I mean, I got, I got it because. I don't own a house, so I'm, I'm going to probably be moving again at some point. And I just don't have room for all the books, especially with uh, if our plans go through for moving forward. I just need to be able to read and not have something on the shelf. Right. So, yeah, I'll get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. But. So you uh, did you read it on the Kindle as well, Jim? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, got, I got the good old paperback. Trying to think of the last paper an ink book I read. Well, I, I guess it would be, uh, Dune. D O O N Dune would be the last paper and ink book I've read. Well, I mean, I, I'll go back to makes a good coaster. I, I have yeah. our next two books. I have them in hardcover. So I do. I go back for that. I thought I had dreamer of Dune, and then I didn't. And I was like, panic you know, and order like, what? <laughs> yeah. Ordered it real quick. Just happened to be on sale. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's not that expensive. It was like seven, eight bucks. Did no, like the cheaper? Kindle. Oh, the Kindle itself. I didn't have the Kindle. You were, you were like, well, let's see. I need I need to get Frank Herbert's book. You know, I should really get a Kindle so I can actually read this book and yeah. you know, like justify yeah. buying well, was, a Kindle, right? I was right. going to get one anyway. And they, were, <laughs> they were on sale. I needed it for this book. And I was like, I need it for the future. So I was like, looks like this is the, the excuse to jump in. Sounds so I did enjoy reading it on the Kindle. Like I, I actually really like the Kindle. But I got like the yeah. paperweight one because it's I don't want the backlight, right? So, but I, I've I've really enjoyed it. But it's definitely a different experience than that than holding the book in your hand. So I guess let's get into the book itself and yeah, talk yeah. about some of our uh, the moments that for us really shown and uh, parts that we we really enjoyed. Jim, do you want to start us out in this one? Okay, um, what what I enjoyed out of this book, I think the most was um, the way that the feelings came across from Brian, uh, his his feelings about his relationship with his mother and father and their relationship with each other, and um, how he uh, the pain of going through writing this book. I can understand why oh, it took man. five years. I mean, he could probably only write so much and then was just mentally exhausted. Um, that's what came through on the, on the highest level for me was, was the emotional content. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, one of the things that 
that I was fascinated with is in the chapter, especially on Soul Soul Catcher. You can't hear it. Um, the chapter on Soul Catch. I mean, um, I think it, it interests me because it's the next movie I think that we're going to get as a Frank Herbert movie because it's been optioned or currently working on a screenplay for it. Doesn't mean that we're actually going to get the movie. Yeah. Just means that they've sold the optioning rights for it. And as we've seen, it doesn't always mean it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Although, um, I don't know. It, it has a potential to me. Yeah. So, but uh, just reading that chapter in Soul Capture, and you know, it was kind of the first big breakout book for. Yeah. Because it came before Dune, right? Uh, no. Dune Soul, or was that after Dune? Soul Catcher was after Dune. The big one before yeah. it was the submarine one. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But. And that, um, was, that was optioned as a movie as well at the time. Did it ever get produced? I can't remember. I forget. Uh, yeah. So, how about you? What do you get? What tell me so about? Like for me, I love the father son dynamic, and you know, it's not normally something that I would connect with because I primarily grew up without a father, and so you know, it's not normally like I said something I would I would even be able to relate to. But it, at the same time, uh, when he was younger, like I did have the younger years with my dad before he got sick, and and. Uh, so I could definitely relate to the views that he was describing how he saw his father as a kid and, and like, you know, how they're driving in the car and he's like, my dad was, he's like, looking back now, I can see how, how perilous these situations were. But back then my dad was my dad and nothing could stop him. And like, I never, I never gave it a second thought about, you know, his driving or this or that. Or, um, I think the moment that sticks out to me, the most um, and just in general parent child relationship is when uh, him and Jan when Fra- or Brian and Jan go over to Frank's house uh, for dinner and he describes how his father is telling them stories and they're all sitting in the, in the living room and uh, he looks out the window and he realizes all his life he watched this happening from either the loft in his bedroom or he listened from across the house his father to share stories with people in the in the living room and now he was in the living room having the story shared with him and how much that how weird it was to experience that that whole switch of um his relationship with his dad did he do you do you, did you feel that he viewed that like as a coming of age moment for him like he somehow had arrived, you know, as kids, you see those things and you're not really invited into those situations, but that moment that suddenly you're invited, it's like you've arrived. I don't, I mean, yeah, I think a little bit of that. I think he, to me, I, I, I read it as almost a, a scary type thing. I mean, I guess I've gone through similar stuff as I'm sure you guys have with, with, with my parents, with my mom and stuff like that, that switch from where you realize that you're, your parents slowly stop being just your parents and start being like on a more of a friend basis as well as, as your parent. Well, when, when you're, when your parents finally accept you as an adult. Yeah. Exactly. Is is what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Because you know, the, the relationship according to the book between Frank and Brian was very strained. Well, Frank and, and all his kids, was very strained while they were young uh, because Frank didn't have a great deal of patience for 
younger kids running around the house, making a lot of noise, uh, things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I knew it was coming because I knew that from other conversations that, you know, they eventually got a good relationship. But the, the way that it happened in this book, it, you kind of see the building blocks building up and then it just kind of clicked. And happened, and uh, it was after. I, I expected it to happen a little before his marriage, and I also thought it was interesting to see Brian kind of, in a way, following uh, his father's footsteps and getting an eloping, like really quickly, kind of a thing. So, yeah, and it it's interesting because uh, you know Brian eventually what was came under like a mentorship of of Frank mm-hmm. as far as a writer goes, at least to some degree. I don't know how how long did that last. It wasn't very long. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was also. Well, that was towards the end, wasn't it? it was yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not so, sure. Um, you know, I thought. Uh, you know, family. It's 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 funny though to watch the way kids react to parents differently, and you see that in Brian and Bruce. Yeah. And the way and and how Bruce kind of reacted versus Brian. Right. So. Right. That was an interesting storyline just to see that relationship, his struggle. Uh, um, well, Brian certainly had his binge drinking and stuff that he went through. Yeah. And uh, Bruce dealt with it in other ways. So Right. Mm-hmm. But, right. I, I also, I, one of the things that hit me, I'm sorry, before uh, I hand it over to you, Scott. Is no, I was going to give you to Jim next. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the moment where he's talking about having gotten in trouble and his mother says, tells him she's done with him and that if she had to choose between him and Frank, she would choose Frank. And I'm like, man, that must have sat with him forever. I can only imagine. And then writing that confession on paper must have been so difficult to just drum up that memory of his mother who he obviously adored. Just, you know, say that to him. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. It's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be very difficult to air dirty laundry. Yeah, you know, and to admit that. Well, all of us who have read Frank Herbert look at him as you know he's he's up here, you know, and and then to find out that he was just a human being, like the rest of us, you know. Uh, he didn't pay his bills regularly. Um, he missed deadlines. He did things that he shouldn't have done. Um, you know, and then for a son to say, okay, I'm going to put this out for everybody to see. And then probably feeling like, am I betraying mm-hmm. my dad by mm-hmm. doing this? I guess the, uh, you know, it's some families doing something like that would be very complicated because you have your siblings alive and you have your parents alive yet when you're still writing. And in this case, he, the only person he really had to contend with was the public's view on Frank and his own, his own, um, shortcomings and how much he will, was willing to be a, uh, transparent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On that. Cause I think that's very difficult. I know. Yeah, I, I bring it back. I mean, for me, reading this was a lot of connections for me. I look at my own family and when I write about them in the book that I'm writing, 
you know, there was some stories about the way this farm was acquired. Uh, there was some conflict in this family, and uh, all the major players have died, but there are still some people that would remember it. And so do I put that in or do I not put it in? I don't know that Brian had so much of that problem. Yeah. But, yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, I also found it really interesting how long it took him, even after he was seen as a success, to really become a success. In his own eyes, you mean? Well, even, you know, like, so he had won all these awards and Dune was doing really well. But then when you looked at, when you looked at how life really was, like he, they were still struggling pretty heftily to like, they weren't actually, it was all the success was happening, but he wasn't actually making any money yet. It was like right before, like, what is it? The second or third edition of Dune when it really like exploded, exploded, um, like around the world. So, yeah, it was interesting to see how that grew and just the struggles. I mean, she, his wife, was working like so, like full time to kind of make sure they had food in the table and yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, what else do we want to talk about, guys, about this book? Well, you know, okay, something that surprised me uh, with his magical and almost uh, unrealistically uh, well matched his parents were uh, Brian's parents how quickly Frank remarried after the death of uh, his wife it's only a year that is that is quick and then he died the next year so I don't know um, why do you think that was I don't know the book doesn't really go into it no do you have any thoughts I, you know, I think that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Herbert had a symbiotic relationship that one one couldn't really go on without the other. They they were absolute soulmates from the start, and and really depended on each other for just everything. So, do you think his remarriage after she died was? A result okay. of um You'll need trying. to repeat that. You froze. Uh do you think his remarriage after she after she died, uh Be- after Beverly died was uh to f- to fill that gap? Um yeah, probably more for companionship than anything else, really. Yeah. I think you know, it of course it could not have possibly meant near as much as uh, Brian's mother did to him. Right, right. I mean, yeah, she. I mean, he, she was his writing partner. Yeah. But okay, you know, I'll I'll air some dirty laundry here. When I um, split up with my first wife, we were apart for two years, and I'll tell you what, I was we we couldn't live together, but I was just absolutely beside myself lonesome mm-hmm. yeah you know, if, if nothing else just for another adult to talk to right yeah yeah i mean i can imagine i mean how difficult it was so yeah but. now how did um i forget it's been it was been a little bit how, how did uh brian view that second marriage 
through his eyes. I can't remember. It's so, been a little while since I finished the book. No, the way I remember it is that he wasn't he wasn't against it, but he wasn't really for it. It was it came across through the book as more neutral than anything else. Yeah, I think I remember it almost being like like the fact parts of the book. Which like, and then yeah, my father it, got married, you know. Yeah, he, it just so happened. happened. Yeah. 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 Wow. Now, um, what year again did Frank die? Do you remember? 85? Mr. Faxman. It's 85 or 86. 85 or 86. Yeah. And Jan died in 80. What would have been like 83 or 84? Yeah. 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 Or not Jan, uh, Beverly. Beverly, yeah. Beverly. (laughs) Yeah. She had her roots. When we interviewed Brian, didn't he say that she had her roots here in Lancaster? Or who who had their roots? One of his family members. Someone had family roots yeah. here. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I think it was Frank. I think it was. I think it was Beverly. Probably Beverly. Beverly had him. She went all the way back to royalty, didn't she? Oh, did she? But it was. They. He said it was on the wrong side, so it's like maternal. Oh, maternal royalty. So Irish, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, you're, you're royalty now, Lord Moulton. I, I am Lord Moulton now. Lord Moulton. Officially Lord Moulton. That's so. right. He got in a cereal box. I did. <laughs> Came with a decoder <laughs> ring. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> Captain Midnight. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, any other thoughts? I So, for someone that's into Frank Herbert, how essential is this book, in your opinion, David? <sighs> Man, that's so tough. Because it's so different than reading, like, a novel... Or any any of his just writing, be like, oh, I love Frank's writing. Um, I would say for me, this was something I'm glad to have added to my life. You know, I, I, and I wouldn't have expected to say that. I would have been like, ah, it's just something that we did. But um, really, honestly, this was really most of the time when I read a biography, autobiography, I um, if it. I walk away feeling like the person is less of a someone that I admire and I didn't walk away. I both came away from, for admiration both for Frank and Brian from this book. So good. Yeah. Um, and how about for you, uh, Jim? Uh, it, yeah, I would have to say it enriched my life. Uh, gave me a new respect for Frank Herbert because I thought, at first, I thought he just wrote this book and was, wow, okay, he's filthy rich now. And he's, uh, if, if nothing else, I would recommend any aspiring author to read this book and realize that a person pays their dues for a long, long time before they come considered a really good writer and a good storyteller. Um, because I think a person needs to know that you don't sit down and write a book and then all of a sudden you're rich. It takes many, many years of practice to get to that point where you're actually even selling books. Yeah. Yeah. Many, many books. I, I think it would be a, I think it'd be a really great handbook for aspiring authors, especially someone who thinks they're going to, uh, get rich really fast. And I mean, I'm not saying that that, that doesn't happen. I mean, obviously, you take a look at Tom Clancy, uh, yeah. Andy Weir. You know, those are two guys that just hit right off the bat. But that is the exception, not the rule. 
It's so crazy I would agree. that you said that. So just yesterday, my buddy Chris Hall wrote a book called Earth King Chronicles. Check it out if you like fantasy on Amazon. Uh, he just wrote this book, uh, released it this last fall, and he's been working on it for years and years, and I know that he really wants to be like just to, to write full-time. Uh, and I, I, I wrote him an email, and I said, look, I can't believe I'm recommending a biography to you, but from a writing standpoint, like I think that you should really read this book. I think it, I was like, to me, it just opened my eyes to things that I knew, but just really made it real of how even after, like I was saying earlier, even after this, you know, Dune was a success, he still wasn't living the life of success until it had been that way for quite some time. So, yeah. Well, and the way I read it, he was actually living the life like he was successful long before he actually was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. like, really, I mean, they moved around so much, you know, and had all that debt and everything. But I mean, like, wasn't real luxury until he had that all kind of taken care of. Right, right, right. I think well, for even, me, go ahead. Even then, you know, when they were building the house in Hawaii, you know, that was bankrupting them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. You know, you know, we talked about recommending this book. And I think for me, the way I would look at it, for people even that, let's say, so you took the writer and I agree with you. I think this is, someone wants to be a writer. They need to see that, A, writers are human beings and you go through the same crap and you don't uh, and you don't necessarily get recognized in your first shot out. Your second shot out, third shot out, and so on. But what I, but I think the thing that I, when I look at this, I kind of look at it. You know, when you get the, your DVD for those of you that still buy DVDs and don't download and stream, but for those that buy like DVDs and you want to see like behind the scenes, the making of the the documentaries and like how the story came about, that's what this is. So if you're a huge Dune fan or you love the writings of Frank Herbert and you never read this, I think this is a and you love that behind the scenes footage stuff. Like this is, this is the closest you're getting to the behind the scenes footage, mm-hmm. the making of, um, you know, who is the man behind this? I mean, and we, and we got that in road to doing a little bit, but this is so much more extensive, so much more, yeah. um, authentic. In and, my it's opinion. A, and it's a, good read it's not just like read this for information and it's yes it's not a list of facts i mean we mentioned that there is some of that in there but this is a the story of frank herbert yeah it's it's well great fictional story yeah i'm just kidding super (laughs) super fictional yeah (laughs) not no not not so but but that that's my thought and i think this is very much a behind the scenes um and i know like i don't watch that for every movie i get but i do watch that for some and i think it's great yeah so obviously we all liked it to varying degrees. What would your rating be, Scott? Um, then to give it a five point five out of five. Now, see, I, I I'm going to give it a rating, and it, this is not the same rating that I give for the storybooks. Just so you know, okay. so you can't put apples to apples here. I think this is a five out of five for me. It was a very. I have to compare it against other biographies I've read, and I've read some really good biographies. And this is a really good biography. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how I would rate it. Excellent. Jim? Easy. Easy. It's a five. Yeah. yeah. I, I will read I will read this book again. 
Yeah. I'm going to completely uh, uh, Unlike, unlike uh, Dune, D-O-O-N. <laughs> that was a minus five out of five. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> I'm going to give it a five out of five, too. The fact that I recommended it already is just like... Well, that, that's confer- telling. Confirm yeah. it to me. That's, yeah, like that, a five that, out of five. that's a telling. Yeah. Telling yeah. one there. So well, Awesome. Well, we do have um, we do have some uh, good reads. So I read yeah, some let's, of, let's so hear I, some of these. Uh, some of you want to hear some of what good reads had to say? Yeah. So good reads, just so you know, came out pretty positive. All right. Oh wow. Yeah. So average rating for this was about a four out of five. Okay. So uh, people overall liked it. So let me. Um, we we have this, and then we have a little bit of listener feedback. There are some comments that were put on our. Uh, website that we want to talk about and then we'll wrap up the show we'll talk about i guess what we're going to be reading next yeah but that's kind of where we're going here in the rest of the show here um whoops i just lost everything here all right all right so uh goodreads and um let me get my cursor back here so i can actually see what i'm doing so let me just go down through some of them and uh let's start out with two five-star reviews is that okay can we start positive and go down from there yeah all right so uh, this is from Edward, who writes, Frank Herbert was a jerk, <laughs> but also a genius. He was also capable of intense love, loyalty, and feeling, and in short, he was complicated. That may not come across as a surprise to many, especially when studying the life of an artist. Complicated people often produce art as uh, that is as nuanced and disquieting as they are. I recently read the original Six Dune books and was curious to read a little bit more about the mind that came up with such hauntingly weird stories. Sorry. There is a layer of complexity to Dune that almost gets under your skin. After about book four, you'll decide it's either a masterwork of culture and religion or pretentious crap. Likewise, (laughs) reading about Herbert himself may either inspire deep admiration or loathing. Somewhat I learned was not surprising. Herbert was an an auto, I can't say this, autodictact? Didact, and didact, uh, who eschewed who mainstream academics. He voraciously read everything he could get his hands on with the emphasis on topics like religious mysticism, philosophy, and psychology. Prone to wide emotional swings and bizarre fixations, he may have had the mental illness such as bipolar or personality disorder. Life was chaotic but adventurous to him. He experienced more on a daily basis than some people do their entire lives. This is also an interesting look at a father-son relationship. That's what kind of what we mentioned. The kind of subgenre of biographies among many books that centers around parents and children. It reminded me of other similar literary family dynamics like Father and I written by um, uh, Lovkadio Hearn by his son or the relationship between Mark Twain and his daughters. There's a tenderness to such accounts that is often tinged with a bittersweet. Herbert was... By even Brian Herbert's own omission, frequently abusive, physically and especially emotionally. His family often suffered for the sake of his writing. While his admirable and long-suffering wife Beverly stoically shouldered the hardship, his children did not and could not be expected to understand why their father ignored them. Brian frequently mentions that one of his father's greatest weaknesses was his inability to understand children. Uh, to him, their shortcomings seemed intentional. One of the many roadblocks in his quest to complete his work. The tragedy of Herbert was that he produced something enjoyed by millions of strangers at the cost of his own and his loved one's happiness. It's kind of poignant there. 
I'll see how much this goes on. Oh, two more paragraphs. We are tempted to judge those fathers alongside the judgments being made by children to become angry at them if they're too forgiving or too harsh or even both. It reflects the struggle we go through ourselves to admit things about where we came from or about how we were raised, a coming to terms with the emotional baggage that inevitably rises in any family unit. In the end, Brian had a very positive view of his father, one that developed over many years and took into account his many flaws, as well as what it seemed like true regret on the part of Frank Herbert and the attempts to make things right later in life. I can't excuse some of the things Herbert did, like his emotional rejection of his gay son Bruce, but I can respect the past Brian took to arrive at the conclusion he did. It was his decision to make. If you're a fan of the Dune series, this makes for a fun coda after finishing Chapter House. They say you should write what you know. Terrible advice if you don't know or do much, but great if you lived a life as diverse and intriguing as Herbert's. Much of what he did found its way into his fictional universes. At the time, they lived in Mexico as religiously strict ants when he jumped the broken bridge in a car or when he rescued a... Uh, desertification and the ecology of acrid climates for a journalism story, something that would trigger one of his most famous sci-fi epics of all time. If you learn nothing else reading this book, it is in, to be endlessly curious. Never stop learning and reading, especially if you want to create something. So well written. Yeah, very well written. Yeah. A lot of agreeable stuff to what we had said. Yeah, well, and he, he voiced a lot of that stuff real well. So any thoughts, Jim? Yeah, same same thoughts here. He he that was a very well written review and pretty spot on. Yeah. All right, very good. Well here's a three star by okay. Tudor. I would say his first name, Tudor. And it's a one line review. You ready? Yeah. This is gonna be deep. Okay. I'm still waiting for the real biography of Frank Herbert. <laughs> Someone else picked up it's a work of fiction. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the non-fictional life of Frank. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go to a uh, four-star review. This is by Scott, not me. All right. Um, this is part – this is a mixed bag. Part fond reminiscence, including uh, heretofore unrevealed family history. Part cheerleading session, if you don't know after reading this book that – that Dune and Soul Catcher were Frank's favorite of his own works, and you haven't paid attention during the multiple repetitions of this fact. <laughs> Part airing grievances, Frank was less than accepting when Brian's brother came out. This book is uneven, more focused during the early family history section, and long and drawn out during the overly detailed description called from Brian's diary of his mother. Frank's wife's battle with the fatal illness. Despite its flaws, if you're a fan of the man's work, it's worth taking the time and effort to read. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Let's hear two, man. You want to hear? It was, two how about, or a one? This is two one. Or a one. What? 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 You want a one star? Okay, let me look. I'll find a one star review. Just for you, David. Yes. Just for you. <laughs> yes. Uh, filter by one star. There's not many. Out of all the reviews, there are only 17 one star reviews. Wow. And only one with comments. All right, you ready? Yeah. One star. This is by J. Crew. Yo, hello. Okay, I just finished this biography written by Brian Herbert, and wow, I really disliked it. Let's just say I have a personal reasons for reading this book. This account read like a 13-year-old's diary, shoving snippets here and there, oddly mash, incomplete, and a lot of times out of place. The constant tug of pity me, praise me, irritated me the whole way through, and made it apparent that Brian has unresolved daddy issues. Cry me a river. 
What strikes me the most about this book is how Brian wrote in regard to his younger brother, Bruce, the number two son and unnecessary self-propelled label. I mean, really, Brian was barely mentioned and mostly coupled with his unfortunate homosexuality that Brian and his whole family wished he wasn't. This made Brian almost seem no better than a bigot. With lines like Brian and his gay lover arrived are experimenting in homosexual practices because my father didn't give him enough attention. Are you kidding me? Maybe Brian turned to drugs because he couldn't come to terms with his homosexuality, which newsflash isn't a choice. This book was published in 2003, not 1973. Herbert did not even mention that Bruce died from AIDS alone in 1993. My heart goes out to him and the unfortunate family situation he was born into. Ultimately, this book did try and portray the fantastic life of an amazing author, but was overpowered by obvious misgivings by Brian. I guess I could not expect any more than this from a man who has made his living by coattailing off the legacy started by his father. That's rough. He's pretty harsh. That's rough. Yeah. I think, uh, I feel like some stuff must have hit home with, it, with him. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. does seem to resonate, right? Yeah. yeah. Unresolved daddy issues. I mean, I guess you could argue this about anyone that's writing about their life, right? All right, right. And I mean, if you're going to be honest about Frank not accepting there is, depending on the cultural background, the religious background, the way you grew up, that the accepting of the homosexual lifestyle is going to be difficult for people. Oh, I mean, that's sure. just that's just the reality of it. Yeah. Um, and some of you uh, are, some of you listening are further along in that journey as far as accepting that and maybe walking that yourself. That's fine. But uh, some people, this is, uh, it doesn't. That doesn't stuff doesn't. You can't. You don't break through that stuff. Overnight. Overnight, yeah. yeah and especially, I mean, even, um, I mean, 2003 was a total different environment. Yeah, even than for, today. Than today. So even, I mean, who knows, and, and this sounds like defense, but really this is just me talking about kind of uh, looking at the situation. But, I mean, who knows whether or not he left some of that stuff out or, or referred to it in a certain way because – um, editors or whatever were saying, you know, nobody's going to buy this if it comes out as oh, right. propaganda oh, or, right. or anything like that. I mean, you, you don't know. Yeah. Speaking strictly from experience, I can tell you that my struggle with um, acceptance has been a very long road. And, yeah. And, and being able to understand and Finally, knowing people and understanding that the issues, uh, I think the problems that I had years ago was I thought below the belt. And when a person learns to think above the belt, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. That it's, 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 not the same thing. It's not about one dimension of relationships. It's it's about a multi-dimensional kind of kind of relationship. A person can understand a little more and and be accepting. But it it is for those of us that are older, it is difficult. Yeah, and, it, and so that's generational. And, yeah, uh, but again, it's it's all it's all context, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, family and the way you kind of. Uh, and it's up. it's also a matter of putting aside your fears. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, 
There's nothing to be afraid of. These people are not predators. They are not all pedophiles. They are not all one thing or another. They're just human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Do you want me to read one more? You got another one? I, I have a two-star. I figured since we've done the one-star, yeah, three-star. Okay. So this is a two-star. This is short. Okay. Um, and he actually agrees more with the one-star, just as an FYI. Okay. He goes, so this is more of a – this is from James. This is more of a Brian Herbert pity party than a biography of Frank Herbert. The writing is as bad as his Dune sequel and prequels. Ooh. He's busting on the writing. Really, if someone's reading this, there's a good chance they're a fan of Frank Herbert and have read his books. You don't have to tell us what they're about every time they're mentioned. I gave it two stars just for the information about Frank Herbert I didn't know before. That okay? He hit something. The, the fact that like any, every time they brought up Soulcatcher, anything you got like a mini reminder. That kind of got on my nerves, but uh, I don't know. At the same time, it's like you know. I reached a point in the book where I needed reminders, especially in the political area. Like when he would talk about, I, I, I couldn't keep those people straight. You know, and here's, a, I mean, here's the honest, honest truth. Not everyone who reads this book is going to be a Frank Herbert aficionado. Yeah. You're going to, you seriously, you're going to be. Maybe you've read Dune, but if you don't know the other works, it may be hard to keep them straight. Right. But, or if you're reading it for a class, because I know there are classes on. Now, Frank. how did you feel? Uh, we didn't talk about this when we were discussing the book. How do you feel his writing style either – how did it feel to you when you thought about the prequels and the uh, sequels to um, Frank's original work? If you compare the writing style alone. Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Bum, not it, not it. No, I um, – I – Yes, I didn't see a, a great deal of correlation between uh, the fiction and this book. Um, probably because I wasn't looking for one, but I I just felt like this was a man telling a story about his father and his mother. It, it's as much about Frank's or uh, Brian's mother as it is about his dad. Oh, yeah. So I just thought it was Brian maybe quite a bit of quite a bit of the time thinking this through in his own head, putting it down so it's solid and he can look at it, and at the same time doing a service to the fans. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, writing style, first two chapters, I was like, well, Yep, <laughs> this is a book by Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so you could tell from the way it was written. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, some of that fact, like that fact, like do 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 do, kind of raised themes from, especially like the Legends books and the House books, like when they were just starting off their their writing journey and the Dune stuff. I think a lot of that smoothed out considerably as he, as he wrote more. As he wrote more, that's part of part so, of a learning process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, why don't we go into just a little bit of feedback that we got from yeah. you, you folks that listen here. And these uh, emails come from our uh, website. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just run through, I think, three of them. And um, 
Um, uh, at least two of them are pretty solid. The other yeah. one's kind of a, a mini one. But let me go ahead and just share these, and then we'll just uh, talk about where we're heading next, what book that you should be reading. Yeah. And we're back into the novels, right? We are. We are. Woo-hoo. We're I can't, I've been longing for this. Me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah so, um, so this is from John C., Man, to have been presented this, he's talking about uh, the movie. I think the Lynch movie, if I'm correct. Um, Man, to have been present for this, our discussion. I disagree with you. I loved the movie. Maybe biased, was introduced to the world of Dune by the movie, as opposed to having to read it first. I remember seeing it in the theaters at release and the controversy it brought, but loved it anyways. You should discuss the films again, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) So... I don't uh, know, but uh, if I recall correctly, Jim, this is this is a mirror your journey. You uh, saw the movie first and then read the book. Is that correct? Abs- yes, that is correct. So, and we've heard that story from other people that yeah. said, you know, we watched this, the uh, movie, went and read the books, and it doesn't bother us that they were different. At right, the right. I don't know. I mean, our opinions have gone. We've gone over it many times. Yeah, yeah. But, so you can go back and listen to that episode. And yeah. Uh, but I mean, I appreciate uh, the comments. Too bad he couldn't have been there. Yeah, well, you know, people encounter podcasts at different times. That's for sure. Yeah. Any other thoughts in this, Jim? Before we read the next one. Nope. Move on. Yeah. yeah so, um, let me see here. Uh, so this person was commenting. This is a really short one, and it's by. Prod pay pred. <laughs> I don't know what it is. This I don't think it was spam, but he says he's talking about um, the road to Dune mm-hmm. that we read, and his comment is therein the book is contains several articles, short stories, and deleted scenes from the original works, as well as novelette titled Spice Planet with many similarities uh, to uh, Frank Herbert's uh, Dune. Um, where else could you get such information? I mean, that's true. I mean, it's all it, he uh, he or she. Has a good point there. It's uh, all that stuff is in there, and it's all collected there for for exactly that reason to have one resource, right? And uh, for people that are like, it's like up behind me, I have the fourteen books on the notes of J.R. Tolkien as he wrote Lord of the Rings and oh, the Cimmerillion. Wow. Um, where else are you going to get this information? But it's not going to be the same as reading Lord of the Rings, right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. I know that we were kind of mixed on how we felt about right. that series. Um, um, but I mean, he's right. I mean, I guess it depends on why you're reading it. And, and in the background of Jim, there's 17 loots on the wall. But I it's, mean, it's not who else? Who else is going to have like the, the complete history it's, it's, of the loot yeah, right there. Uh, along with uh, complete manuscripts of all the loot cantatas and so on yeah but it's not the same as having it played especially live. when you're like you know playing it live and writing on top of a sandworm yeah it's absolutely incredible yeah. you know there's just with the lightning coming down to David oh, style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be uh <laughs> <laughs> it's an image to be sure. Um Jim's just face palming right now, like, yeah, right. oh yeah. <laughs> How many more books do you have? He's like a cantata, you sing a cantata. What are you talking about? You don't even use the right musical terms. <laughs> yes. No, I'm not going to correct anybody again, I guarantee you that. <laughs> well, you know. 
Anyway, so um, thank you both for writing in John C. and Payprod Pratt. I'm going to say it. Say that five times real fast. Payprod Pratt. It's like Prod Payprod. Or I don't know. Whatever. Um, So this is by CRVO. Servo? I don't know. So this is um, not my email. His email address is great. Not my email address at (laughs) gmail.com. But anyways, he wrote this. Count me in on our growing – uh, Cutterea of fish speakers. I too named God Emperor my favorite of the original saga. I came to my opinion over time, initially dreading the book for in my rereading uh schedule. Now I view it as a volume in which Frank Herbert begins to reveal the scope of his work in the Dune universe. As for other readers finding difficulty in forging forward, it's understandable. There's little direct connection to the familiar faces we're hoping to learn about when we first crack the volume. At first, even the familiar names are alien as characters, and the gulf between the roles of God Emperor compared to the first three novels can swallow readers' interests along with a seeming lack of continuity. Another personal favorite factor in God Emperor is the use of the port of the portent in regards to the next two books and the tying together of the similarly pretentious moments from the books one through three. I like it as a nexus of prescient timelines. Yeah. So well said. Yeah. Well said. I like that nexus analogy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So he, uh, he likes it, likes it a lot. I forget. It's been a while since I read it. I recall enjoying it. We're rolling when you need to know how you value yeah. the book. But rolling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what? Any thoughts on what he's saying here, Jim? She. Uh, I, if I recall, I didn't. I didn't like it as much as that particular person did. But I mean, <laughs> it was okay. I mean, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Well, certainly when you hit the the final two books in the series and the conclusion, you, uh, I mean, you f- see the relevance of it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think when you hit the book at first, you're like, huh? What? Yeah. I mean, it's quite a leap. How many thousands yeah. of years? 3,000 years in the future? 3,000 years from yeah. Children of Dune to uh, God yeah. Emperor. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Well, okay. So here's what's happening next. Our next book, we're going to be jumping back to way, way back into the past of this whole universe, we're going to begin our journey into the Schools of Dune trilogy. Now, we intentionally put these books aside and chose not to do them because one of them had just been published and there was another one the way, the Navigator's Book, which my understanding is at the publishers. Yeah. I don't know that we have a release date yet, but... September something. September something. So... We have two school books here, and then there'll probably be just a little bit of a break. Do we hit that book? Is my guess right? Right. Um, but because uh, I think that that's it, unless we're going to do other Frank books. But yeah, no, I think so. So yeah, so we've got two more books, and we want to definitely hear what you think about all the things doing. Uh, right. Get a more substantial uh, response, hopefully, off of these books. Uh, what you think about the now that it's officially done, and they went back and. And started publishing more in between books, like how you feel about that continuing on. So these take place right after the Legend series, so right after the, the um, Butlerian Jihad, and it's about the kind of the schools forming. So First one is after the Battle of Corn, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, the Battle of Corn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so 
This one, the first one's Sisterhood, which I assume, I, I assume there's an overarching story. However, I, I would think that this has to do about the sisterhood for me. Yeah, the formation uh, of the sisterhood. Yeah. Have you read this book? First? I have not read this <laughs> book. I have not read uh, Mentats of Dune. And of course, I haven't read the new one. So, right. uh, so that's our plan. This I'm looking is, forward to it. I am too. And then our plan from that point forward is up in the air. So We still got to talk. We still got to talk. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. See yeah, so sounds good. So uh, probably somewhere a month after we release this episode, we'll be uh, talking about this. So just pay attention to the, the uh, Facebook and the schedule and the, the Twitter, and we'll try to keep you yeah. informed. I'm so but glad. You, but you can uh, plan on, on reading this. We'll mm-hmm. have to update our cover art again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so, so glad to have – like we definitely hemmed it all through the non-story stuff. Yeah. I'm glad to be back to story stuff. Oh, me too. I think that's, that's some of my favorite parts. Yeah. So, so Jim gives a thumb up. Yeah, he gives a thumb up and a pencil up. So. <laughs> whoa. You know, whoa. That, <laughs> he just gave me the pencil. Whoa. I'm out. Whoa. That's it. I'm <laughs> done with this podcast. This. <laughs> <laughs> this is after you said you'd quit if I liked the last one. <laughs> Uh, which was oh, the which uh, I, did, I, I gave it a better rating than you thought. Yeah, <laughs> you, you did. <laughs> yeah, you can go ride your pretzel anytime you want. But, so, um, yeah. so anyways, um, well, if you want to get in touch with us before then, let us know about Sisterhood of Dune. You can do so by visiting uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash Dune Saga Podcast. We're on Twitter at Dune Saga Podcast. You can email us, Dune Saga Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a lovely voicemail, which would be at. Yeah, well, you know, so uh, phone number is like not right in front of me right now. But <laughs> if you give me a second, I might get oh, that. Oh, goodness. Um, goodness gracious. I know. So stalling, stalling. Phone number, phone number. Why is it not here? Um, oh, um, is it? Uh, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in the meantime, go ahead. You can also, <laughs> if you'd like to help keep us going, give us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Dunsaka Podcast. Thanks for everyone there. Um, anything else we need to go over, Jim? No. 1-260-577-2428. Look at that. Jim, the, Jim, Jim the with the save. Man, he can give me a pencil any day. <laughs> so, uh, well, once again for the Dude Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Hertzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Hulu clear the path before you.